You've entered the Kill Zone. The Kill Zone. Frontline Gaming presents the Kill Zone Podcast. Real talk for competitive Kill Team 40K tactics, tactics. Strategy. strategy, and news you need to know from some of today's top players. Tune in every other week for brand new episodes of the Kill Zone Podcast. Like the intro just said, you have entered the Kill Zone. Welcome back, returning listeners. Those of you new to the podcast, this is Bearded 40K, and I'm joined by Emmanuel Mitsubikos from Strategic Advantage on YouTube. We've got a great episode coming up for you today. Today we have a jam-packed terrain super show. We're covering all things building, such as building the buildings, painting the buildings you built, and finally, how competitive players like Chris and myself look at terrain layouts for having balanced games and where issues could arise and how these certain issues and aspects might be overlooked. That's right, so stay tuned. All that and more is coming your way after we pay some bills with these messages. Oh my goodness, the monkey's back. Hey monkey, what do you have for us today? It's it's a crate from... Well, this can't be right. The ship date on this crate says it's from the 31st millennium? Let's see here. Oh, jeez, Chris. So my, I don't think we can accept this. Why? What is it? Oh, let me see. Uh, it looks like a lot of guns. Like, that's all the guns. Holy crap. It looks like Pop Goes the Monkey has set us an entire shipment of Generation 6 weapons. Uh, these seem right proper to fit with the Age of Darkness Marines, I think, from the 31st millennium. That's the horse heresy for the uninitiated. I think you're right. Yeah, we have thermelters, plasma guns, we have a flamethrower, we have bulkite weaponry, combis. We have all variations of the above. Uh, wow, this Mark I disintegrator with a bayonet is particularly spicy. But the monkey's really excited about this. There's a note in here as well. Let me see what it says. Pop Goes the Monkey has you covered when it comes to the horse heresy. Check out the new line of Gen 6 weaponry perfect to fit your Age of Darkness Marines. Don't fear not having enough special weapons. Whatever you need, we got it. Also, why not just magnetize those Marines and give them all the options? The choice is yours, and it all starts at popgoesthemonkey.com. Wow, this is such a great shipment. Thanks, Monkey. If you don't mind, Emmanuel, I think I'm just going to take all this DACA with me. Oh, now you just called it DACA. Suddenly, I'm interested. You've done it now. Oh, and I've been thinking, since the last time you visited us, Monkey, where exactly are you coming from where you need the warp to get to us? Oh, darn. I, I guess we'll have to see if we can get an answer out of him next time. Until then, be sure to check out popgoesthemonkey.com for all your bits needs. It's not just Horus Heresy there. Whatever you need to equip your kill teams or 40k squads, you can find them there too. We're still working with the monkey for some really neat stuff down the road. Check them out soon, and check back often. There'll be a link in the description. Well, that monkey making more guardsmen's coming out of my wall and <laughs> all that stuff. There's all this ectoplasm everywhere. I didn't even know what that was. It's like this jelly, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember the name from... Or, or, what? The, there's a scene in the beginning of, the, uh, of Ghostbusters where Ray's making fun of Egon about obsessing over some slime, and I can't remember it right now. Um, I'm gonna have to go watch Ghostbusters after we're done recording this. That's a great movie. Um, yeah. I digress. Uh, how you been, bud? 
Doing good. Just got back from uh, Big Bear, California. Oh, I nice. went on a little trip to the uh, mountainous region full of pine trees and little critters and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, just been kind of decompressing out there a little bit. Nice. Uh, but really excited. Uh, still working on this here uh, Horus Heresy thing. We got these spicy new bits from Pop Goes the Monkey. He's a really cool guy. He sent uh, a lot, a lot of guns and stuff over. So excited <laughs> to get my hands on those and see what I'm finally doing with these Mark VI Marines. Because the thing is, is uh, I haven't known what I was doing with these, right? Like they can be anything. Mm -hmm. It's 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 like this blank chassis that can be your basic troop. It can be something with a big, important gun. It can be something that's part of fast attack. Mm -hmm. Who knows what you're going to do with them? So analysis paralysis has had me kind of, you know, uh, frozen with these guys. But... Uh, Maybe maybe I'll be able to figure it out finally and get them going. Yeah, it, it's funny because whenever I was thinking of magnetizing or snapping off arms on my orcs, the answer I was always just told is like, no, you don't do that. You just build more. And I almost <laughs> I almost just knee jerk reaction. It's like, just keep building more Marines. What what are you waiting for? But with how hard it is to get that Age of Darkness box sometimes, <laughs> yeah, it can be a little uh, nerve wracking to be like, oh, I don't know which ones I'm going to have fun playing with. Yeah, and plus in LA, it's like these things are gonna have to start paying rent pretty soon here. You know, these models they're 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 gonna need a they're gonna need to start contributing a little something something here. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I had a fun weekend too. Yeah, um, I played in a tournament. Um, I won that tournament. That was fun. Woo! Um, it was. Uh, That's why you listen to the kill zone, people. <laughs> it We've got was tourney winners here. It was a tournament put on by Dakota, the part of his uh, squad games tournament circuit. Um, cool. he did that over at Pasadena at Gameology and, uh, what was my, my favorite part of the tournament was the fact that we were like side by side, we were set up next to a 40 K tournament and mm -hmm. at least six 40 K players came to us over the course of the tournament, getting kill team curious. And I was, I was pretty proud of that. Uh, one of them came by and they were really, uh, they were really excited over my diorama that I have for my, uh, commandos the cool. with the big ed boss bunka as their base of operations on like kind of like a sandy arid planet kind of thing um that's on my instagram if you want to take a look at that eman.paints to the listeners out there but um yeah it was a really fun time uh four games in the tournament i went three and one but so did pretty much everyone else <laughs> in the in the top chunk so it came down to points and i eked it out by two points so i was pretty happy with that there you go. Mm -hmm. That's why you focus on the win condition, people. Absolutely. Great job, man. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you did us proud. Yeah. And in addition to that, uh, I got a birthday coming up. Uh, it'll be six days after this podcast drops. And as an early birthday gift, my wife got me, finally, a display cabinet for all my, my minis. So uh, I have uh, one of those glass display cabinets. We couldn't find the Ikea one, the fabled... Dorf or Dolkoff or whatever this fabled Ikea oh, the Waldorf or whatever that, that yes, thing I think I know what you're talking yeah, about yeah the, the one that everyone always gets because it's the perfect uh, display cabinet for minis it's always out of stock mm -hmm. um, but we found one and uh, I put that together over the weekend and set up stuff and I got a lot of orcs Chris like <laughs> like Chris I, I got a lot of orcs <laughs> Is this the first time in a little bit you've seen them all, like, just combined? Well, I've area? never had them all in one place because they've oh been in God. cases, they've been on display shelves and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I had this idea that, okay, I'll have a Star Wars Legion reset the clock shelf, and then the rest will be all my different orc kill teams, how I've uh, turned mm -hmm. other stuff. It, it was all orcs. It was all orcs. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, 
I got commissioned a couple acrylic shelves, like riser shelves, to put in on top of the glass shelves. So that way I can cool. two-tier some of the stuff to cram more orcs in, in proper orky fashion. And that way maybe I can have a Star Wars Legion, the reset the clock shelf. But uh, <laughs> but we'll see. But uh, the time is ticking on a lot of tiny little bits being scattered all over the place because we're also expecting a little grot of our own, a little baby E-Man coming around the corner any day now. Uh, we're in the final, wow. the final countdown of that. So we're really excited to uh, grow our family there. So... Uh, do not worry, loyal listeners. The podcast will keep, still keep happening. Uh, we'll see how many crying babies we'll have in the background during yes. recording sessions, but uh, the podcast will definitely keep going on. So trying to cram in as much of this hobby organization and moving bits off of low shelves operation <laughs> that uh, I've been in. But uh, yeah, that's been my weekend. Yeah, well, I'm super excited to see a new addition come to the Killzone family. <laughs> and say congratulations to you and oh, thanks, and uh, Mrs. Mitts. So take care with that, and absolutely, you know, we'll look forward to the updates uh, and how quickly uh, you can start pawning off some of your uh, what is it, the model painting duties and stuff like That's that. That's right, like two thin coats, baby, two thin coats. That's right. You know, <laughs> yeah. Can you walk so. yet? No. Can you apply two thin coats? Oh, neither can I. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But uh, so, you know, that's going to be an interesting uh, bit of, you know, terrain of life to navigate, right? Oh, you're going with. I had a segue, too. I want to do my segue, too. Uh, All right. Speaking of. I just made that. That was bad. (laughs) Well, mine's pretty bad, too. Uh, Speaking of pawning off painting duties, um, the first thing I want to pawn off is painting and building terrain. (laughs) <laughs> yep that's a that's a segue yeah we can use that we can use that so uh a lot of fun terrain stuff coming up recently we we saw the the spoiler um announcement thingy for kill team dark where we have plastic floors maybe who knows into the dark we're seeing right. we're seeing that one uh space hulk photo that's gotten us all in a tizzy of speculation is it arena is it zone mortalis what have you and then we have a white dwarf coming out with a bunch of extra fun terrain rules for all the GW terrain that doesn't have rules, but they gave us rules so that we, we can use them in games, all that kind of stuff. And it got Chris and I thinking of, yeah, let's, let's talk about terrain, kind of all aspects of it, yeah? Yep. Yeah, this is kind of like a, a terrain super show, you know, and it's, it's cool because there's going to be stuff for people of all interests and uh, experiences, I would say. I think that there's stuff here if you're new, if you're experienced, and I think that, you know, hey, if you're more of a hobby guy, Maybe there's some stuff uh, here for you to, to think about, as well as we're going to cover some of the crunchier aspects of terrain, yeah. you know, which is interesting because it will apply to you whether you're a player or even if you're a TO. Mm-hmm. I think some of this stuff is really interesting for TOs to maybe hear about mm-hmm. uh, for the first time, you know, because they, a lot of times the TO, their fun is is hosting these events and stuff, and they often don't get to play quite as much as you know some of these other other people. So the bits of feedback that we can give through you know segments like this mm-hmm. could be fairly valuable to them. Absolutely, hopefully. absolutely. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that last sentiment. Um, it, in my kind of thought about terrain, um, as far as the building and the painting side of it, uh, I don't mm-hmm. want to spend too too much time on it because the I just have a lot of easy advice 
that mm-hmm. I just like to get out there into the ether on the most efficient and effective ways to build and to get your terrain ready for play. Because you don't want to be Absolutely. hung up with uh, with a bunch of models on the table, but a bunch of toilet roll paper tubes and tissue boxes as terrain when you have all that plastic gold sitting on a shelf, right? You want to you wanna get that churned away and get that nice looking um, onto the table. So uh, I think I'll just kind of dive into a bunch of that if you're okay with that. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. So um, I kind of split the hobby, obviously, into the building and the painting side of it. Um, building, y- you need to not stress too much about this if you're building the terrain. The biggest frustration with any terrain project, for me at least, and I think you've expressed this in the past too, Chris, is getting rid of the sprue uh, injection points yes. as well as the mold lines. For some reason, maybe it's because they're these big, solid, chunky pieces of plastic. Maybe they need it, maybe they don't need it, and they just do it just to troll us, but there are so many of those attachment points for all these terrains in the windows, all along the along the sides, especially the bases, and some of them are really thick and chunky. So yes. my first tip of advice, use old uh, nippers. Um, not mm-hmm. so old that they're gonna gouge out plastic on the, on the good side, but even if that happens, not that bad. It's battle worn. Yeah, it's battle damage. It's, it's not that. You know? It's not like it's happening on the pauldron of your Space Marine. That's supposed to be nice and smooth. So don't stress too much mm-hmm. about that. Use old nippers so you don't blunt your good ones that you cut your models out. And don't worry yeah. too too much about getting nice, crisp, smooth surface where those mold lines are. A file is your best mm-hmm. friend for this. Uh, yeah. Also dry fit everything before you start cleaning up stuff. Yes. Because yeah. I can't tell you, Chris, how many times. I went through, I cleaned off an edge only to find that it was completely buried and I would never see it, you know? So dry fit everything so that way you're actually spending the time filing down and shaving down these nip, these little sprue point attachments um, so that way you're not wasting time at this step because it, 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 it'll take a long time just cleaning up the train if you're way too meticulous with it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What are your tips on building? Oh man. Uh, so mold lines are my, uh, dreaded enemy. I, I've seen a recent hack, um, that I am going to try. Maybe some of you guys listening can get to this before I do and, and let me know what you think of it. Um, is using, um, the, uh, the cement that we use for to get rid of mold lines. Glue. Yes. Yeah. You, you brush that on there and it will at least like melt it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can do that. Like, you know, let it dry, do it again, let it dry. And it's, perhaps a little bit better and easier. So I have done that um, with, it, it works very well with the Tamiya's extra thin plastic cement, the one that mm-hmm. has the brush. Um, I do that sparingly on models actually, in areas oh, that are hard to get um, um, an X-Acto knife in to kind of like in, in between mm-hmm. fingers or under armpits and stuff like that, where I'm worried I'm gonna cause more damage trying to scrape it down than actually leaving it alone. A quick brush of that. The, the only the only hesitation I have, uh, or not the only the only cautionary um, statement I would make on that is remember where you did that and leave them alone for a long time because you will put fingerprints yeah. on your models if you touch it too soon after you use this tip. Yeah, that'll make it orkier. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe somebody wants to do that. There you, know? you go. Uh, I guess I guess next tip for me would be uh, craft paint. You know, don't go oh, use yeah. six dollars a bottle. You know, for for a bottle the size of your thumb, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and use that to cover terrain. Like, uh, get inks, get you know, craft paint from the store, things like that, and 
and uh, spread your, your dollar a little bit further. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the craft paint is fine. Like the reason a lot of people don't use it on their models, even though some people do and it comes out okay, is just because the pigments are a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, pigment is like a liquid and a, uh, it's like a binder and pigment basically mm -hmm. put those together you get your thing and those pigments can be various sizes there's something broken down usually to make little spots mm -hmm. that hopefully are too small for you to see normally when you put it on a on a model mm -hmm. but when you use that on a when you use the lower quality you know cheaper paints on a model sometimes those flex those specs the pigments mm -hmm. uh show up a little bit and uh you know just a thing to think about there is okay on terrain um, my favorite thing for metallic terrain is using my lead belcher pot that's dried out, that's not mm -hmm. not brushable anymore. I use that to dry brush, and that's actually um, that actually perfectly segues into my painting tips. Um, okay. Dry brushing your base coat is probably the biggest hobby hack I have if you don't have an airbrush. Airbrush fastest, no matter what, to get a base coat down. You can't you can't mm -hmm. win. Um, when you, you, you can't compete with an airbrush, especially if you have a large volume of terrain, it it, it negates that whole setup and cleanup uh, phase of uh, setting up an airbrush, right? But if you don't have an yeah. airbrush, which I feel a lot of people either are intimidated by it or just can't be bothered to get one, um, dry brushing over a dark primer will give you instant shade and give you quick coverage. And I use old paints for this, especially mm -hmm. my lead belcher. My lead belcher dries out faster than anything. I don't know what it is about it, whether it's a metallic flex in there where I don't, there's less moisture, I don't know. But when it's dried out and it's no longer brushable at the bottom, I just use um, a large kind of shade brush or just not like the makeup brushes, but like a, a thicker bristle brush, like the Citadel shade mm -hmm. brushes. And I dry brush all over the terrain and it gives it a nice, it gives you shadows in the recesses without having to worry about using inks for washes or anything like that. That's, that's my favorite thing to do with old paint. Yeah. I was going to say too, um, you, you mentioned airbrushes. I would tell people, um, don't be afraid to try it. And that this mm -hmm. may be where you finally do, um, those little $80 Amazon things that you get. Mm -hmm. That's been my bread and butter since 2015. It's still ticking. And, uh, I went and bought one. I was like, okay, let's just have something we can destroy to do all that tournament, uh, the terrain, uh, for strategic con. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man it was like 20 bucks for for an airbrush i just popped it on the compressor i already had and we went ham mm -hmm. used it and abused mm -hmm. it and it was still ticking at the end of the day didn't need one thing of cleaning so and and i get nothing from recommending this to you guys i'm just saying like you know when i got into this hobby the airbrush thing was something i was very interested in mm -hmm. but put off on much longer than i should have mm -hmm. been I feel because it's like, oh, the Iwata and the 0.03 and you need this kind of data. Oh, and, you know, and it was like, holy crap, it's this is like yeah. science. Yeah. yeah. And it's not science. It's yeah. not. You can get, I mean, the stuff people use to make cakes I've seen people use mm -hmm. just fine. I've seen them with this kind of trigger, that kind of trigger. Oh, it needs to be gravity fed. Uh, I've seen, uh, you know, the old single action doesn't need to be dual action. But try, you know, uh, if you're doing a bunch of terrain or something. This is probably where you try the the airbrush, I would say, and do it with uh, one of these cheapos because yeah. you might get this and find that it's like, oh, you know, here I am. What it's 20, 2015 to now, so seven years later, and it's still ticking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, give it a try, guys. And I, and you know what I painted with this thing? Like, oh, yes. Death Watch Kill Team and, and Pink Horror Kill Team, and uh, yep. uh, you know, like from two editions now, just thing to thing to thing, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know. Uh, 20 models, 20 models, 20 models, 20 models, yeah. like batches. It's definitely, so it's definitely it done you good. It's definitely done you good. Yeah. 
Um, now, that being said, uh, eventually you will have to do detail work. And mm-hmm. my best advice on that is less is more, simple is fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want your... I mean, if you want a display piece, if you want it to be part of a diorama, etc., etc., I mean, go ham, paint however you're going to paint. But for just terrain on a board, if it's too detailed, I find that that takes away from your models, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The detail you want is to, is to pop on your models. That's what you're spending a lot of time on. That's where you're doing most of your uh, showcasing with, right? So you want your models to carry that. And, and if there's too much detail behind them, you might lose that in your models. So not only does it save you time getting them onto the board, uh, getting that terrain onto the board, but it also doesn't detract from the time that you spent on the models. Yeah. You know, because it's kind of like when, when we first started this segment, you were talking about people playing with like uh, toilet paper rolls mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Um, you can be painting your terrain and still be using the toilet paper rolls much longer than you would need to, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, you know, just mm-hmm. get it done, get it out there, start playing on mm-hmm. it. The thing about terrain, unfortunately, is it's going to get banged up. Oh, yes. You're taking it here and there. No and, easy you know, way to pack it. it. The car. Yep. Yeah, and you can put, you know, sealers on there and stuff, but it still kind of gets dinged up. Yep. There's a lot of sharp edges and, you know, crammed in that box. So mm-hmm. uh, don't don't treat it too precious mm-hmm. is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Emmanuel made a good point. Yeah. yeah, and to speed up your detail work, do not worry too much about um, coloring outside the lines or overbrushing anything. I find that that helps me in weathering my terrain. Um, you're gonna wanna do a final dry brush with a light brown or a gray because war zones are dusty, right? Nothing's gonna look completely clean. So doing a top to bottom kind of dry brush with like a big fat makeup brush that you can buy from CVS um, will make everything look a little dusty. That'll cover a lot of your mistakes, but also tarnish, damaged effects, um, rust, especially on Octarius where it's all metal, you can make do some dry brushing of spot different kind of weathering effects on parts where you make mistakes. So that way it hides the mistake, but also helps you out with a little bit of random randomness with a lot of the weathering effects that you're going to do to um, make it look like you never painted outside the lines per se. Yeah. Sometimes the painting outside the lines looks good. Uh, I've seen people get those giant chip brush type things, like you're going to paint a house. Oh yeah, you know with those 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 yeah, things, yeah. and then instead of instead of brushing it, they stab at it. Uh-huh. They stab at the piece of terrain with a tip, uh-huh. and it gets kind of a cool effect on there, like the yeah. modeled thing, which really mimics you know how Warzone stuff looked. I, I've looked at this before, like you know, like how would I model this and stuff? And, you know, you look at those reference images you can find online and everything. And it almost looks like even places that haven't seen intense battle, like just being in that country for a long time, Mm -hmm. it looks almost like it's analogous to almost putting things underwater is what it looks like for me. Like in Mm -hmm. the ocean, you know, you see Mm -hmm. a shipwreck or something like that. That's kind of what's going on. You get a lot of visual similarities in buildings and stuff, you know, you get the dappling of like, Mm -hmm. Uh, what are they called? There's an actual term for this in modeling where it's like the spots. Stippling. Modeling. Modeling has a term called modeling. Oh, modeling. Uh, I thought you were going for stippling, go. but yeah, modeling. Yeah. Yes, yes, modeling. Um, and so it's it's just instead of a uniform, perfect thing, it's like dots of like grays and blacks and little things and translucencies of different layers and stuff. And it builds up. It looks really cool um, yeah. and very accurate. Yeah. So now that... You've quickly painted up. You finished all your terrain by the time we're done with the segment, right? Everyone's finished painting. Hopefully. You're all done. Yes. Okay, so let's get to setting up actual games. 
First and foremost, for casual games, most of this doesn't really matter. If you Mm -hmm. just want to beer and pretzels and just roll some dice and outcomes do not matter, balance does not matter, none of that matters, just set up something that looks cool. I've done weird um, setups with it's all like kind of catwalks and and stairs and stuff like that. I put containers on top of containers on an angle from containers. I've done weird stuff. I've set up like like a capture the flag kind of two fort situation. Um, weird, funny, funky stuff like that. They're fun to play on, but don't don't listen to what we're all about to say and think that there's no room to be goofy or silly with terrain or just yeah. completely haphazard with the terrain. Sometimes that can lead to a really fun game. And I, I referenced the After Dark segments of uh, the most recent big um, opens. The After Dark segments were just player place terrain. Like all bets are off. People just go nuts and just do the, the most inane stuff. Those have been really, really enjoyable, just fun experiences for me at least. So th- there's there's a certain elegance to that chaos. But mm-hmm. if you're looking for a balanced setup, if you're looking for a balanced game, whether it's tournament prep, or you just want to have um, a battle with a buddy of yours, but you want it to feel even and balanced and fair, like you want to, you want it to be a competition. You want to be playing basketball and not blood bowl, right? Um, mm-hmm. Then um, a lot of what we're going to say is going to be relevant to that, not only for tournament players but also for TOs, as Chris was saying at the the top of the episode. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a duality to this hobby. Which is on one hand you have you know people saying oh it's just at the end of the day plastic dolls, but on the <laughs> other hand you've got some people that really you know if we can take chess seriously and have this ex- you know exist for thousands of years or esports or something you know it's like we've got a game over here that's a hundred years old we've got games over here that uh, you know more people watch than the Super Bowl that don't even play it mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean like you can go and say that this game matters and that's the that's the perspective that I come from. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know what, there is elements of fun, and I do like to play, you know, just uh, pick up games and things sure. like that. But yeah, there are times where you want to be tested. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk about the things for the balance and things like that, that's kind of what we're after is is a, a equal testing ground where possible, if possible. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, no game is perfectly balanced. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people point to chess and say, well, even that, you know, uh, the you have one piece that gets to go first that may have an advantage, you know, for that player, the win rate is skewed, things like that. So, you know, it'll never be perfect, but there are some things perhaps we can do to uh, provide a better experience for players of Kill Team when we do say, okay, today matters. I'm going to keep score. I'm going to keep, you know, tally or whatever of uh, track, track uh, ITC, whatever. Mm -hmm. So the best place to start with setting up good terrain is selecting your mission. And there's a reason why on page 92 of the core manual in the matched play sequence, step one is determine mission and step five is set up kill zone. It is yep. imperative that you don't set up the terrain and then roll off for what mission. Deployments matter when you're setting up your terrain. Objectives matter. And both of these two factors are going to influence where you need to be on the board, but also where you're starting. And that's going to influence the key things that you're looking for when you're setting up terrain, like vantage points, 
firing lanes and melee paths. That's kind of how yeah. I look at things. Is, is there is there anything you would add to like those three that kind of that that trifecta of what you're looking for to make sure that you have a balanced board? What else would you add to that, if anything? Oh, I, I think that uh, you're you're 100 spot on. Um, the main thing for me is objective placement, right? Oh yes. And, and what you're talking about solves that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because uh, this is there's there's two editions now where I've seen pictures. Uh, of like big events, you know, important matters events. And, uh, you know, you've got a, you've got these objectives just sitting out in no man's <laughs> land. And it's like, melee teams want to play too, guys. Come on, <laughs> you know. Uh, let's get some t- some love out there for the Tyranids so that they can come try and, you know, play a game. Hey, you put a uh, gene stealer with a barricade. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it's... Uh, it's just like uh, you know that that is a thing. So I like that you brought this up so early because mm-hmm. that that is a factor where I think you need to see what the mission is, where things are laid out, and design the board appropriately. Because mm-hmm. there there are situations that come up where you know the mission already favors a certain type, mm-hmm. and then if there's a bad board on top of that, it just <laughs> hedges that even further. It's like oh man, I don't know, I don't know. And so that that's usually where I start. And then the next thing I consider, because you're going to have your, your terrain, your kill zone in front of you. And the element that stands out the most are obviously the vantage points, right? Mm. So what I like to do next is set up the vantage points after I've already, you know, laid out the deployment zones or know where they are laid out the objectives. Mm-hmm. The next thing I like to do is see where the um, vantage points are going to be. Um, I like to balance it in a way that there's no golden vantage point, meaning it's not sitting in a deployment or it's at least not easily accessible or not immediately accessible from the deployment. You got to move up to get onto it from a deployment, for example. It's not necessarily sitting there with cover. It's not necessarily sitting there um, looking over... of the board kind of thing. Um, If, for example, you have like five objectives, a vantage Mm -hmm. point having vision on two of them, or maybe two and a half, I think is fair. But having vision of an objective, but also the opponent having the ability to be on that objective and safe from the vantage point, like having a toe of heavy cover in it, so that way they yeah. can be concealed in heavy cover. Like that kind of stuff is important. So having vision over a small, maybe a third at most of the board, I think is a good maximum to kind of at least conceptualize yeah. a vantage point. I think people need to watch out for loot and salvage, especially because yes. I've had vantage points where I could see four objectives. Yes. Like clear as day. And mm-hmm. uh, as Tao, GG. Um, you know, and uh, so one of the things I'd actually like to discuss with you and, you know, get your take on it, because you were say- saying a minute ago um, that you weren't super um, perhaps uh, in favor of starting uh, vantage point in the DZ. Mm-hmm. I just want to clarify yeah. if that's correct, because I I'd like to discuss that a little bit because, um, you know, and, and we can rather than have it be a debate, I would like to just put pros and cons out there so mm-hmm. that maybe people can hear both sides sure sure you, you know what i mean yeah. and, and and kind of formulate on there and also see that 
we are two players, we are friends, and you know, we don't have to necessarily see everything the exact same, which I think is a very interesting thing in today's mm-hmm. uh, political society we live in, right? <laughs> um, we can still be friends and, and you know, maybe see something differently? What? Uh, so, you know, I would say I'm team Vantage Point and DZs. Okay. And I feel at least one. Okay. Right? Tell and, me and why. Hear me out on this. One in the DZ, because all of a sudden, uh, I mean, okay, one is cover from above. From from barrage, right? So so all of a sudden there's not a bunch of alpha that's that's going to hit them. Okay. You, you can you have cover from above that you can put somebody and block that top down line of sight. Okay. Um, is, is a thing. The second is that uh, I think that if if there's one, if you're only going to do one, all of a sudden that there's a lot more interesting dynamic in attacker and defender, right? So because you're not saying. Let's say I'm a, so you're not saying one each one deployment that's a possibility okay but at least like one right um i think that even as a melee team now i might choose defender and and go like oh okay uh i'm gonna take the side that has the the vantage Uh so now tau doesn't have that against me or something you know what i mean so it's a cool interplay but also as as melee i kind of want to deploy second and not get shot up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and have be counter deployed. So it's like all of a sudden there's an interesting choice. Interesting. There. Okay. And, and I, I think that that's kind of a cool thing there. And thirdly, I would say I don't think that all teams are equal opportunity. You know, they're not all created equal. So like what I've seen a lot is uh, TOs because you know we're friends with lots of TOs. They say I want in this this event I want people to actually work for the the DZs, right? Or the, the, the vantage vantage points. Yes. Yeah. So they'll put them like six inches outside. Mm-hmm. For Tau, I will be on that and shooting <laughs> round one. That's right. Multiple models. That's right. Um, for orcs, Guard, I'm gonna I'm gonna forward deploy my sniper boy onto it. Exactly. Yeah. But Death Guard, they're not gonna they're not getting there till maybe turn three. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. turn two if they forego forewent two rounds of output with their big mm-hmm. scary gun. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it that with all teams being so vastly different, you know, the movement tax meaning a different thing to different different. Uh, mm-hmm different things i don't think that they quite are able to leverage that the same and unfortunately i think that when they make it harder what they've done is given an asset to a team that was probably already better in that situation anyway that's interesting sometimes that's interesting yeah i i, I hear so those just points. interesting the yeah the counterpoint i would make to that is there are some teams that benefit way too much from being able to deploy on or just get to a vantage point um teams like you can put an entrenching shovel on a sniper on a vantage point uh-huh. without yes. without and, and then they never have to move if that's such a juicy vantage point for them right so there's things like that to consider as well i think i yes. think that i can concede a bit on vantage point inside a dz if that mm-hmm. vantage point is limited in its um firing lanes yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Because like if if they could start it on there and you entrenching tool and this guy is just untouchable mm-hmm. and he can see four objectives, yes, like exactly. holy crap. So right? you, you need to balance the power. Problem. Yeah, you need to balance the power of starting there and having those yeah. early shots and early mm-hmm. viability um, with something that negates. And that, that segues perfectly into the next um, thought. After, cool. after vantage points, I always consider firing lanes, right? Um, the different type of terrain that you plop down between the vantage points has different characteristics, some light, some heavy, right? 
and the heavy terrain is going to be the biggest counter to your vantage points. So you want to make sure that the heavy terrain is positioned in a way that's going to allow for relatively safe deployment. You don't want no one being able to shoot anyone. You want someone to have to deploy if they want to be able to kind of huddle everyone, but at a limitation because now they're far away from objectives or they um, they at least have the option to be protected from certain very scary shooting points, right? And so yeah. the way that you do this is with a heavy terrain and that's where the line of sight rules are absolutely fantastic with obscuring. It's a little bit of a headache to learn line of sight. I'm gonna acknowledge that, right? But mm -hmm. having things like obscuring and having that big, big, big bubble that you can create for safety by having a heavy terrain that's gonna obscure this this wedge of the board from a certain scary firing point, that, mm -hmm. that changes the dynamic of how powerful these vantage points can be. Sometimes just putting like that oil derrick right in the middle of the uh, board can really yeah. create some interesting dynamics between vantage points and just on the on the kill zone floor firing lanes, right? So yeah. there's the light terrain, which is mostly going to protect you on the ground level, and then the heavy terrain, which is going to protect you mostly from, well, from the ground level as well, but that's more so to counter the vantage points. So that would be the next thing that I recommend considering after you've decided where your vantage points are going to be. And the best way to figure this out is look at where people want to be objectives and look at pe where people are starting deployments and yeah. check at the level of the terrain. I swoop down to the level of the board and I look to see if there's a wide open path. And I surprise myself sometimes when I'm looking down at the board thinking, oh, this is fine. And then I get down at the minis level. I was like, wow, there's this huge line where I just want to park a rocket guy. And he's going to be mm -hmm. in obscurity because of how far deep he is into this terrain. And he's going to shoot anyone who comes into the middle of this board, right? Absolutely. And that would be a bit of a feels bad on the other side yes, of the board. Yes, absolutely. Right? So this is why, you know, we bring this up and speaking like to TOs and things like that is that Things like this get attributed to T.O., unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And people leave and go, oh, he didn't know what he was doing. He set up a bad thing. Which is and too bad, just... which is way too bad. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of them were not armed with this information. Look at the objectives. Look at the DZ. Emmanuel, you put it perfectly. That's it. Doing that is going to solve 90% of the problems because mm -hmm. from there you can see, oh, crap. You know, he can see all this stuff. And it's okay to have some of that you know what I mean? Because then it's like, oh, all right, you know, we've got uh, some asymmetrical terrain going on. And, and, you know, this one might be better for that, but not like broken, can't get them, you know, uh, non-agency kind of a thing. No, no fix. Like he's in obscurity and conceal. Like if somebody's able to shoot from conceal and obscured and cannot be targeted because of this placement and they get there from their DZ and they can see a bunch of objectives, mm -hmm. that's where it starts to be like, ah, like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So some of that, okay. All of that, maybe not mm -hmm. uh, on, on one guy mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And on one particular board, right? Because what we see a lot of times, it's hard for up and coming, you know, Joe just got started TOing TO to have standardized board layouts at every Thing is the exact same right 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 um there's only there's three tos i know of like that dakota sheldon and eric mm -hmm. you know that's that's it mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and so what you find is that one board could end up having something like that mm -hmm. like it's hard to design one good board right, right. Now imagine you have to do 11 of them. right right uh and and so one board you find gives this giant advantage 
And it's like you keep having these 18s on that, mm -hmm. and that could be a thing that is never talked about in tier list videos or, or things right. like that. You know, tourney breakdowns. It's like, oh man, I got to play on this board twice, and it was just perfect. Yep. Um, you know, yeah. that's it's definitely a thing. Yeah. Um, to jump to my last point real quick, because of what mm -hmm. you said, I don't want to lose that opportunity. I think the secret sauce for tos is to do what I don't think a lot of players realize tos will be doing is that before any event they're doing, they're actually choosing what missions they're gonna do, and they're already deciding on what the terrain layouts are gonna be, right? They don't have to sit there and say, okay, it's a four round tournament, I'm gonna do two of this, and two of this mission and two of this mission, or I'm doing yeah. four different missions if they want to, or I'm doing all the same mission, but I'm changing the terrain. They're deciding that before the event, and then they're designing the terrain before the event, taking things like what we're saying into consideration, so that way, they're not having to put in all this extra work right from the get-go to actually decide, okay, this terrain is going to be perfect for all of these missions. And then this terrain setup is going to be perfect for all of these deployments and stuff like that. That can, that can be exhausting, right? So um, that if, if you're listening to this, if you're new and budding TO and you're trying to go through these woes of figuring out terrain layouts that you can do, um, figure it out the week before the tournament. Sit down with your terrain. Yeah. Mark out your deployments, put down some objectives, and get down to the models level and do stuff like this, right? Absolutely. Think about teams you don't play. Mm -hmm. You know, what is a shooty horde going to do on this board? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, or let's say you play shooty hordes, you may have a blind spot to what it's like to need to run a melee team and think, oh, wait, these actually need avenues of approach and have zero output are getting shot to death for the first two rounds of the game. Mm -hmm. Or something right so it's like how are these supposed to move up the boards where are they supposed to threaten the objectives from you know things of that nature otherwise it's just going to be a runaway yeah it's oh man i was going to segue into melee teams for moving up the board but then you said runaway and it's even better yeah so th the final thing to consider is your melee teams right you don't you don't want to mm -hmm. just look at things from firing line to firing line because a lot of teams that we've seen are either mixed force or lean a little bit more into the melee. I mean, blooded are so heavy in melee, even though they can be, or probably should be, played more as a shooty horde. But um, they have a lot of melee models that will be moving up the board. So looking down, once you've thought about those firing lanes, you also need to consider those, um, those approaches. Now, if you've already considered fire lanes, you've probably already considered, by accident, the melee approach. But mm -hmm. one thing that I, I see happen sometimes, especially in local pickup games, make sure terrain isn't too close to each other. Yeah. So that way people can maneuver around and by and over each other, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want people to, like, I, I mean, when the terrain is done well, you have to engage, mm -hmm. right? Like, I have to go now and hunt you as Pathfinders. Mm -hmm. I don't just get to stand up and castle and lay my markers and, and call it good, mm -hmm. right? Like, you're on this objective. I have to remove you from that, and now there's this piece of terrain here. I can't get that. But to do that, I have to risk getting charged. It's suddenly a much more interesting game, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, um, in fact, like, some of this doesn't get considered enough. That that's why I give some of the recommendations I do. When you mentioned Blooded, mm -hmm. that's why I was like, ooh, ooh, uh, because, like, <laughs> Why did I say that they have to go shooting? Because a lot of times, like, melee is so hard to get right on the board, mm -hmm. and it's a higher skill ceiling, I feel, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. or a, a floor to, to get into. Um, 
that it's just a lot of times better to tell people to lean this way. Sure. Because yeah. unfortunately, a lot of people build boards that just favor shooty hordes, which on their own are perhaps a little bit stronger of an archetype. Irrespective you know I mean? of so all... leaning the board yes. towards them. Yeah, I agree with so that. So they would be good on their own, but then they get this real favorable board. Yeah. And that's like, it's an interesting thing because you see people try to hurt teams sometimes like okay i don't want tau to be you know running rampant on this so they go and they do things sometimes that's not the way to go it's like don't purposely pick out a team i would say and say i'm gonna nerf this you know what i mean mm -hmm. through through terrain placement just make a good board mm -hmm. i think is, yeah. is the way to go and it'll kind of be okay with itself yeah you know yeah so and and i think helping out those melee teams to kind of navigate that board giving them space to do that super helpful um, mm -hmm. generally speaking, nothing closer than two inches. There's some 40 millimeter yeah. bases out there. Um, you got your custodies as an obvious choice. You got warriors, you got, um, you got, uh, infiltrators and rust stalkers for admec. Mm -hmm. Um, so you got some 40 millimeter bases out there, but also even with 32 millimeter bases, a two inch gap can be hard to navigate around each other, but you can have someone tucked behind getting some obscuring behind a heavy wall, but still navigate a 32 around their side to move forward. Yeah. So I think a two inch gap at the closest should be how close stuff is, unless you're purposely extending a wall out by putting some light terrain right next to a heavy terrain piece. Then obviously yeah. that's a conscious choice, but two big pieces closer than two inches, probably too close. Yeah. Even like a three inch gap, somebody can mm -hmm. typically close that off with a barricade. Yep. You know, and just like no go this zone mm -hmm. so uh it, it's it's definitely a thing like you, clutter is a thing to avoid i would say i think you're correct and it's funny because you just reminded me of uh i was gonna say beware of scientists here because a lot of times people do terrain rules um just because they exist and i was gonna say just because they exist don't mean doesn't mean you don't need to use it what made me think of that was how you were talking about close things close together mm -hmm. and uh, i had a friend tio who said this this tournament i want there to be a thing where we can practice jumping mm -hmm. right <laughs> um, and so everything was like super close together and, and it ended up being really weird boards uh -huh. that he got a lot of complaints on after and they didn't know that that's why he was setting things up this way you know because nobody uses that very often and so people didn't even think to use that and stuff but it was just a the orc just a raises thing, his you know? hand i i think every tournament i've played in i've tried to jump test <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I probably should as Tao, you yeah. know, uh, living on those vantages. That's right. But um, yeah. I, I think that's uh, I think that's most of the tips that I have for setting up a board. Um, good examples that I can think of, the London Wargaming has a packet that has some pretty nifty setups for um, the Octarius set. They do one thing I disagree with. They mark some terrain as not having vantage points. Um, Using terrain rules um, is an option, but vantage points is part of the terrain rules where I find like it's it's hard to remember that something's not considered quote unquote a vantage point yeah. when it's clearly two inches or circle ahead of some uh, on top of something. So I usually caution against that. 
Yeah, I've seen what people try to do. Is, is like Remember when I was talking about the vantage points, how the cover from above yeah. is a thing? Yeah. So I've seen people try and do it for that reason, but have it not, because it's in the DZ starting, not be mm -hmm. a thing. I think rather than ruling it as not being that and causing con some confusions, because game one will be playing it as if mm -hmm. that's a mm -hmm. thing, whereas game five is now not, yeah. um, is to put like the scramble terrain or something on top and just make it where you can't fit a model on there. Mm. Something to that effect. Oh, I've seen people like that's load a bunch of barrels yeah. or something like that on there. And then so now you can have that cover from above in your DZ, but you won't have players because treating they, it as a vantage. Because they on can't accident. stand on there based on the terrain rules. Right. Yeah, that, that's clever. Exactly. I, I like that. That's that's a good way of doing that. I like that. Um, and um, I know that Dakota right now, one of his big focuses in his squad games is that he's planning on having um, suggested terrain layouts in his official packet, mm -hmm. and he's testing a lot of different terrain layouts now. So I'm very cool. excited to see what he does with that MDF stuff. Um, because a lot of people will go to their LGS and they're going to have a lot of just generic Warhammer 40k terrain, which tends to look a lot similar to the stuff that um, Dakota does, which is just a bunch of containers, a bunch of like L-shaped kind of crenulations, which are smaller versions than the Octarius stuff. So it might be an easy kind of guide for how to use terrain that you might not have, right? Or, or yeah. you might not have other examples for, like London Wargamers does a good... Um, good breakdown of different terrain layouts for um, Octaria set, which a lot Absolutely. of us have. Yeah, yep. That's that's my final thing to say on uh, this kind of stuff. Yeah, my final thing would be to say uh, if you have a terrain piece that falls over all the time, get it off the board, please. Because when I come and play, it's going to fall on my stuff. Ruin the board state. Now we don't know where anything was. Maybe it broke a model. And with that, I've been Bearnid. Chris, some people call me. Uh, Bearnid 40K, you can find me on YouTube. At Bearnid 40K on YouTube. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at your rant about the soldier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been Emmanuel. Uh, you can find me and my buddy Alex uh, at Strategic Advantage on YouTube. And you can find me on Instagram at eman.paints. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Kill Zone Podcast. Your home for real talk for competitive kill team. Brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.